You're listening to Random Fit with hosts Wendy Batts and Ken Miller, winner of a Gold Markham Award for Digital Media. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Random Fit. I am Wendy Batts here with my friend and co-host, Mr. Ken Miller. Ken, how are you today? I am great, Wendy. How are you doing? You're looking good. I am good. It is a... Uh, I don't want to say sunny day, but we don't have rain here in Atlanta, so it's a, it's a good day. <laughs> right, we'll, we'll take it. We'll take it. I know. Well, you're in California, so the sun's pretty much always shining, so there you have it. Yeah, well. Just rubbing it in. But anyway, so our topic today is going to be on power training. And the question that we want to ask everyone is, is it for everyone? And the question um, you know, came up because we have clients that come in and they say that they want to, you know, be these weekend warriors and they need to, you know, they want to go run marathons. They want to do all this. They want to be the inner athletes and a hundred percent support that. But then you also have other people that are like, I just want to be able to, you know, play with my kids or my grandkids. And we tell them that we're going to get them up to power training. And you see this like blank look on their face. Like, do you know how old I am? So I think, uh, I think this is going to be a very, hopefully, educational podcast for everyone because power is important. Yeah, and if we talk about the things I know we're going to talk about, this will be an episode that I refer to clients or potential clients just because when we discuss the different parts of a workout and what we need to have a comprehensive program when it comes to how are we going to challenge our body, obviously, with how we train both athletes and the, you know, just the general population alike, we talk about stability, we talk about strength, which a lot of people do. But oftentimes, what you have to what you and I have to add into the conversation is that part of a power. So obviously, when it comes to when you work with your basketball players, or golfers, or, or baseball players, naturally, part of the conversation is them telling us, I need more power, I want to hit the ball farther. I need to, you know, swing the bat faster. I need to throw harder, whatever the situation may be. It comes as part of the conversation naturally. But when it comes to that, you know, someone like me who's in their 50s and they just want to live a better life, right, be more capable, be able to stay active with their kids or even that recreational weekend thing that they have going on, you know, you're the one as a fitness professional that has to add in, oh, And we're going to throw a med ball and you're going to jump and you're going to move things really fast at some point, but we have to earn our way there. So when it comes to power, yeah, when it comes to power, that's what we have to do. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's also kind of a, an area where, you know, when, when you have an athlete that walks in and and they want to, you know, maybe it's the off season or recently I just um, did a live uh, Instagram with Marty and I had a bunch of athletes that came back, um, for the all-star break and, you know, we reassessed them. We didn't do one thing that, you know, was like a typical training, like power training program because they're doing so much on the court and so much powerful stuff for those many minutes of each and every game that they have. And most of them are back to back. And then of course there's traveling involved. And so when, when I'm talking to someone that's asking questions, working with a you know with an athlete they're just like oh so when they come in do you start doing power training try to work on getting them jumping higher and and running faster and while the answer to that is all yes it's not based off of power because you're only it's only your ability to be able to you know you're only as stable 
or strong as you are stable, you're only as powerful as you are strong. So there is a process. And that's one of the things with NASM, why we start even with the basic assessments is because just because they're an athlete doesn't mean you need to put them in a powerful program. If you can fix the smaller things, then they are going to end up being more powerful long term. And power, the definition is different for everyone. I mean, the power, power definition is the same. But when you're thinking about how, you know, how much you're going to lift or how fast you're going to throw, it depends on their capability. So I'm not going to have someone do something for the sake of doing it. They have to be able to earn the right to do it the right way and execute it correctly. Exactly. And it, and it does have to be done correctly. And I think when it comes to um, clients or, you know, you, you go to the gym and I think a lot of people don't do power because they don't know how to do it correctly. Right. They they have what what information do they have to harvest from when it comes to their experience, when it comes to training for power? Sometimes they might have done some power in high school and definitely in college and in most programs. But in high school, you don't have the room. There's too many kids in the weight room. Uh, you're not throwing med balls around. And even your coach is taking from his experience, which power training wasn't a thing back in the day. So I think a lot of people just don't do it because they're not familiar with it, let alone what you're talking about, Wendy, as far as doing it with proper form, proper technique, because you are moving a lot of load really fast if we're truly working on power and, you know, trying to go off of, okay, this is what I did when I, when I was a kid. A lot of people don't have that to pull from, so they need instruction, but until they do, they don't really do it for themselves because they might have seen something on Instagram, something on YouTube, and it looks really cool. But when it comes to having access to facilities, um, equipment, and instruction to help do it properly, no one wants to do any new exercise, you know, amongst other people at the risk of looking silly, right? So I think a lot of why people don't do it is for those for those reasons. One, they're 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 not as confident throwing a med ball or doing something really fast when I could just sit on a machine and just push heavy weight and look pretty cool at it. Or it's just, they don't see the need for it. But overall, as we talk about this, this is definitely something that needs to be incorporated into everybody's program. It's just about who it's for and what have you done to set somebody up for success when adding that part of a workout program. And it should be a part of everybody's program in some way, shape or form. It just needs to be scaled. Yeah, and I mean, I think I think it's important to, when you think about strength. When we talk about strength, we're trying to overcome resistance, and it's usually, you know, that's one of the ways too that that we start. I mean, we work on stabilization, of course, but when we're trying to really build strength, we're overcoming a lot of resistance at a certain tempo with certain rep ranges in order to execute it with, you know, ideal form. And so, you know, when we're thinking about that and then you're thinking about power, you're trying to overcome resistance. So it's still the same definition, but at a faster speed, a faster rate. And so when we're thinking about force times, you know, um, force times speed, that's when you get the really true definition of power. And so when we're talking about that, we're thinking about, you know, if we increase force, we're going to increase power. If we increase speed, we're going to increase power. So even if it's just one versus the other. Yeah. then we are going to have more potential for power outcomes. And, and really your strength development is going to define how powerful you're going to be long-term. And if you're looking at research, when we're looking at some of the elder, elderly um, seniors or older active adults, you know, what we're saying now is that's one of the first things to go is our 
ability to be able to produce speed because we don't train that way. And you and I have done many, many podcasts in the past about you get what you train for, the said principle. And so it's really being able to, to adapt your program to activities of daily living, but then also being able to speed things up because we train, and this is what I've always told my clients, I don't train you as an athlete, I train you for the speed of life. And your life is going to be different than, than mine's different than yours, Ken. Ken's is different from a professional athlete. And then his is also different from, from his dad. So again, you got to think what is the appropriate power and then how can you really train it to benefit, you know, long-term activities. And I think, you know, this is, this is the, what we're talking about right now when it comes to uh, training for power, you know, is it for everybody? And both you, Wendy Batts and myself, Ken Miller here on Random Fit, talking about how we can integrate power training into your workout. And we've done a podcast in the past about the active aging and including power um, into their programs. A lot of times we, we kind of pigeonhole them as, as being weak or frail. But, you know, it is what gets them out of that, you know, that that little bucket that we tend to put the active aging. It's like, okay, yeah, you need to be a little bit stronger, but you also need to be fast. You need to move fast because, as you say, Wendy, you know, train for the speed of life. If you have to react to changing um, environment, changing surface, you need to be able to react. If you feel like you're you're getting off balance and there's a risk of falling, you need to be able to move fast enough to save yourself. So, you know, I suggest that if you're interested more in that topic, just go back to our episode on the active aging and working with power and 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 that population and we'll definitely dive more into that. But the one story I like to go off of is, you know, when my grandmother was still with with us and I'd visit my parents, you know, one of the things that I do with her is, you know, as far as me spending time with her is is just getting her to move because she'd sit there watch TV or sit there and and do whatever. But she was living a sedentary lifestyle for the most part. And for me to work with her, it would just be a matter of her going up one or two steps on the stairway, stepping up, stepping down. And guess what? Just stepping up on the stairway for a number of repetitions, that was strength training for her, right? So she would step up, step down. And then I just happened to have a volleyball that we would play catch with. And guess what? That for her to toss the ball back and forth with me was faster than anything she would do all day. So relative to her, that was power. That was speed she wasn't doing in any other activity. So for her, that was enough stimulus to get her moving faster. So, you know, when I talk to trainers or even or even my clients, just move faster than what you're doing. In the best case scenario, you want to move as fast as possible, but a good start is to move fast for you. So that could be like with with my grandmother and I, we were tossing a volleyball. I even had a balloon and I just have her tag the balloon. So if you're listening to to us here on Random Fit, I'm just mimicking me kind of batting a balloon left to right. So we're, we're playing catch with the balloon and for her to react, track and be able to wave her arm or her hand at the balloon that was power for her so it's all relative depending on what someone's ability is to move quickly but also safely that's that's one big concern when it comes to the active aging you you have to be safe but it does have to be a part of the program because one of the first things you lose as you get older is speed and power along with strength and muscle density but 
power goes first because of because of the, the the faster decline in your neural the neural component to movement. Well, and I think that's that's really what's important is you got to think your nervous system is only going to recruit the muscles that you train it to. And so, you know, with us, when we talk about stabilization, we look at just your movement in general. So if I have a, you know, a professional athlete, let's say that is playing basketball and I see on the assessment that their feet are turning out, their knees are coming in, they have a big arch in their back. Those are really common because of the repetitive movements and, and what they have to do in their sport. And so think about this, when we're training power, if I don't focus on proper alignment and I have them constantly jumping, if you just think if, you know, again, if you're not kind of in the fitness industry, you're just, you're listening to us and you're, you know, you want to learn more about what we do. If you turn your feet out and bring your knees in and you just try to squat easily, don't blow out your knee, you can see all the pressure and compression and stuff that you're putting on the inside of, or the medial portion of your knee. And so now if I add jumping and bounding and running, I mean, all that force and like, think about your knee joint itself. It's not made to move with all the pressure being on the inside of the knee. And that's when we start to see some of these injuries that are very, very common in sport. So what we want to try to do is really think about realigning the body. We want to stretch and foam roll muscles that are you know, shown to kind of, you know, cause those compensations. And then we try to go in and really try to, you know, um, go in and activate the weaker side that was allowing those compensations. Because if you do that and you have your feet pointed straight ahead and you have your knees in line with your hips and your hips in line with your shoulders, and you're able to maintain that when you're lifting a heavy load, you're having a, a better base of support and better alignment throughout the joints. So therefore you are going to be stronger for sure. So then if I have you do, you know, let's say I want you to lift as heavy as you possibly can for five repetitions and you can't do six, then that's ideal. Then I know that I have you at a really good strength starting point for power. And then I immediately have you go and mimic whatever exercise I just did. So let's say I had you do squats and you did five squats and you had really good form. Of course, your speed is going to be slow because it's very heavy, even though your brain is like, go, go, go. And you're telling yourself to move as fast as you can. And you're recruiting every muscle in your body and you've got really good form. And then I have you put the weight down and immediately go into squat jumps as fast as you can, as high as you can, explosive as you can without taking a break. That's really going to help you get to maximal power long term because we are training high loads with strength. I, you know, and, and, and then immediately going into something explosive that mimics that. And so I think, you know, that's one thing that I really do love about what we do and why we're, why we're even here and the National Academy of Sports Medicine and the model that we use, because in order for me to get maximal power for these guys, I've got to successfully get them into moving right to decrease the stress to the joints, because I want them to lift a really heavy load. And if I can get the muscles that are protecting the joint to fire, the prime movers that are moving that joint the way that I want it to. And then I add that speed. It's a win-win all the way around. And they're going to become way more powerful than they ever were with all those compensations with their feet out, knees in and everything along the way. I think, I think what people under have to understand about what you just said there, Wendy, is that there, there's going to be weeks of buildup to get to that point. So if you're going to put that much stress where you can only do five quality repetitions, we're talking about a lot of stress into your body. But if the if the alignment is there, posture's right, the the, the right muscles are, are being coordinated into into the movement patterns, 
then I mean that's a lot of load from you know if, if I'm in a front rack position um with the with the with the bar and I'm doing a front squat, that's a lot of stress that's coming through my spine, through my hips, knees, and my ankles. So what you're talking about there, Wendy, as far as movement efficiency, that's gonna be important. But you know, the progression from can you move just with body weight, can you move with some load? And then getting from that 12 to 15 rep range down to, you know, six to 10, and then down to one to five, there's a big migration of intensity when it comes to how much weight that you're using. So my recommendation towards all of my clients is, okay, let's, let's, let's manage expectations first. You're going to actually go through, you know, eight, 12 weeks of preparation if this is on our roadmap right so if we're mm -hmm. sitting down talking about okay this is where we are today this is what you're capable of controlling with good solid integrity today but 30 days 60 days 90 120 days down the road this is where we need to be because you have this and this and this going on so here's what we're going to do for the first month here's what we're going to do for the second month we're going to do something else but then you know, the, 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 the picture I'm trying to paint for them is the fact that, hey, we're going to be going heavy and we're going to be going fast, but we need to make sure that you can handle all of that. So after at least two months of training, we can we can go in there with some confidence that you can do five reps heavy with, let's say, 10 reps with something fast and ballistic, and you're going to do it with the least amount of excessive stress or managing the risk to injury when we get at that level because the faster you go the heavier you go the higher the risk but if you prepare somebody for it like you like you recommended in that that sample exercise wendy as super set of exercises then you know we're going to be in a better position than if i just threw you into the you know into the fire today well, yeah. And, you know, we've we've discussed in, in previous podcasts, and this is something I want to stress to your point, Ken, it takes the body about four to six weeks to adapt to whatever type of training you're focusing on. And so when we do talk about the stabilization section, we are working on postural alignment. And, you know, if you are a person that has your feet turned out, that's a very common compensation. If you're a weekend warrior, but you're a businesswoman during the week and you wear high heel shoes that's putting your calves in a very overactive or tight position for multiple hours a day. Same thing with, with our businessmen out there that have a small heel on their dress shoe. And so if you don't really focus on getting good length back into that calf, your feet will automatically turn out because that's just the way that when the muscles are tight, that's an easier way for you to stand in order to execute movement. And so if you don't really focus on that, and then I try to have you do some of this other stuff to your point. It's going to be, you know, malalignment in, in the knees and stress to the back. And you're not really firing the prime movers as ideally as you want them to be. So if I put you out on the court and I didn't fix any of this, I really didn't. I didn't. There was no benefit to what I tried to do with you. So in the off season, we do spend a lot of time working on correcting your form. And if you notice, too, if this is a common your feet turning out or is very common for you. As you focus, you have to mentally, because again, all of it starts in your brain, your nervous system, your brain is what's controlling your body and telling it what to do, what muscles to fire and when to fire. And so we need to make sure that our brain, our muscles and our joints are all working together as intended to get what we call neuromuscular efficiency. So moving at the right time 
the right plane of motion at the right speed, then we're going to be as ideal as possible when we're when we're executing something else. But that's going to take a lot of time, four to six weeks. People tell me they feel like they're standing pigeon toed. So their toes are turning inward. But when they look down, their feet are actually straight because it is a change from what's normal to them to really trying to change what's right and then resetting the brain on, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So once that becomes the new norm and you can stand with your feet correctly, you've got really good alignment in your shoulders and your neck and your head, you've got really good core strength. And then I start loading you, you're going to see that the amount of load that you're able to lift increases dramatically from when you started because you didn't have all muscles working as, as, as helpers to help those muscles that are trying to move, let's say the chest, you didn't have the rotator cuff muscle firing in the right spot. You may have had, you know, your shoulders were slightly turned in. So going through full available range of motion wasn't, wasn't an option. Well, now it is. So therefore you're going to have better range of motion. You're going to have better strength and power production. So when you go and start doing these other exercises, like you said, chances of injury is going to go down, but it's also going to make you feel better. And you're going to look better because you're actually working what you're trying. You're actually achieving what you're trying to do versus let me just go in and throw stuff around because it's the fun thing to do today. You're right. And so let me ask you this one, since we're talking about power and it being for pretty much, you know, is it for everybody? And so far the consensus is the fact that, yeah, it is for everybody. So if you're listening to us here on Random Fit, both Wendy Batts and I, Ken Miller, we're talking about power. So we've talked about the aging, active aging. We're talking about the general population, those who might have compensations that they might have accrued over the years. But let's go down to the other end of the spectrum, Wendy. If you get, and I know you get your 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 younger athlete every now and then, high school, junior high. How do you work with power for that for that younger population who may or may not be involved with the sport? Well, I think the number one thing is is again look at how someone's moving, and if they if they are moving well, and because you know when we're born we did another podcast on this too it seems to be talking about you need to go back and listen to the history of random fit but when we talked about babies when they were born they actually are born with ideal alignment because and you know the environment has not really set in and bad movement patterns and compensations haven't set in yet so once we start walking and we get moving then over time is when we start to have some of these bad patterns that lead to compensations and lead us moving into into positions and and that are not as ideal as when we were born. And so when I'm looking at my, my son's now playing baseball, I'm watching them run to first as fast as they can. Their feet are straight ahead. You know, they have really good alignment. They're, they're doing really well in their sport. So I think when we're looking at power and strength, I'm not going to load these guys. They're six and seven year olds. I'm not going to load them with a bar and I'm going to see if they can do a one rep max. That's not ideal. You've got growth plates. You have a lot of things to think about. So at that point, it's can they control what they have? And so doing things that, you know, are speed related, but challenging them with their own body weight or even using things like resistance bands, things that don't put a lot of pressure on the joints and getting them to move fast. I think that's one thing that's going to help them in their sport. Plus, this is the time when they're that young to put them in a, a variety of sports. I mean, Grant Hill talked to us about this. You know, you shouldn't actually be in your one sport until after 16 to 18, because your body's still adapting and recruiting different muscles and learning the lay of the land, working in the forward and back and side to side and rotational, you know, sports and positions. And so I think your body and your brain and everything starts to learn um, 
you know, different ways and outcomes by starting young, but also working and correcting things that are that are wrong. And, you know, if you haven't ever seen someone pick up a bat that's never played baseball, they're really cute. You know, we have one one person that's brand new to baseball. And so trying to watch him throw his throwing mechanics were way off because no one ever taught him. And so now we're spending a lot of time on proper mechanics and he's six. So I don't expect him to throw 90 miles an hour, but I do expect him to have good mechanics. And this is the time I think that is more important than anything is, is getting them out there, making it fun teach them the team camaraderie that's important working together but then also you know focusing on the little things because as they get stronger and they start actually lifting heavy if they're starting at a young age it's only going to help them when they get older exactly you you hit the nail on the head when it comes to uh working with with youth and keeping them diverse as far as movement patterns that they do because that was something that i was i was I knew you were going to talk about that, Wendy. So I, I brought it up because that's exactly with with me and my kids. You know, with my daughter, you know, swimming, water polo. She does basketball when it's in season, volleyball when it's in season. But you know, swimming is one of the the year round sports. But I was she had swum swum. She wow. she was swimming as as her solo sport for a while until she until they she started to get involved with the school sports program where now that's where basketball, that's where volleyball came into play. So once once I got her out of the water and on the land, she was, and when it came to running and jumping, she's just like a baby deer, right? And legs are all over the place. Her spine's all over the place. You know, once you get her in the water, she's fine. You know, she's graceful. She's fast. Um, so getting her out of the water helped her, you know, move laterally react to a moving object like a basketball um, volleyball tracking squatting coordinating the upper and the lower body twisting turning you know overhead motion is is wasn't so much of a concern while she's in the water because she's she's swimming and she's only she's pulling against water but now as she's throwing the ball up and she's got to bat that in the air now there was more of a concern for me it's like oh does she forget about trying to hit the volleyball out of the court i just wanted her to have you know, good integrity through her shoulder as she's going through that overhead motion. Mm -hmm. So like you said, when you know, you know, can they control their bodies and body weight exercise was enough to challenge both her and, and her brother. Because of course, if I have one do it, I got to have the other one do it. So when they're doing push-ups, lunges, That's why you squats, have one, Ken. See, you only have one and you don't have to worry yeah. about them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, but, you know, it's funny because the coach, She's one of the comments at the end of season pizza party uh, was that, okay, this award goes to her because she did the most perfect push-ups, you know, because they had each one of the players had some kind of characteristic that set them aside from the others. So hers was the fact that she was able to do push-ups perfectly. So I was, you know, I gave myself a little pat on the back on that one. But my, my point to bring that up is that in working with her, it is about body control. If you don't own your body, right? If you can't control your body, you don't own your opponent. You can't control, you can't control the ball. You can't impose your will on somebody else athletically if you can't control yourself. So in, in me, and I'm sure you're going down that path too, Wendy, as far as um, getting, getting, getting the kids to actually move with some some control with some some level of competence when it comes to knowing where their limbs are 
or being able to control their spine or, and their hips when it relative to batting, throwing, running, sprinting, changing direction. Well, I think, you know, the important part about all of that too is, is coordination and teaching, you know, again, when you're throwing a ball that you're going to, let's say I'm left-handed. So I step right, throw left. We have a lot of people that are stepping left, throwing left. And it's like, wait a minute, that's mm -hmm. not right. And, and you've seen this a lot, even with our athletes, which I find very interesting yeah. when they start doing some of our exercises that we have programmed, some that are NASM favorites, such as like power step ups that or squat jumps. When someone squats, you know, you're down in a down squat position and you're holding that and then you're jumping up as high as you can. You're you're embracing the landing so you're not landing hard you're trying to make sure that everything is pointed forward and correct what i find very interesting watching the youth and then sometimes even again our elite athletes and everyone in between is people sometimes when they jump up they'll start with their hands to their side and when they jump their arms will go down to their side and then they land versus when yeah. you jump up your arms should go up with you so that's actually going to help get you more vertical by using the power in your arms and everything your body's able to, to produce the, the amount of force to produce in an upward direction. So I think it's really just focusing on mechanics. It's really focusing on your strength. It's focusing on proper alignment and then whatever the person can do. So if I'm working with somebody again, with them being youth, I may not load them super heavy because of the reasons I said earlier, but I am going to try to get to them to move as explosively as they can with body weight. With my clients, if they are, you know, healthy, they're, they've got good bone density, they're showing me that they've earned the right to lift a heavy load, then I will do, you know, get them to the point of being able to lift as heavy as they can for a short amount of reps, so one to five, and then do the explosiveness for like, let's say 12 to 15 reps as fast and as powerful as they possibly can control. Not if they, as possibly as they can, it's can control. And then when I get to my, my, elite athletes, I need to make sure that their form is good, their coordination is good, and it's the same thing. Plus, I also need to think about their sport. Do they really need to lift a one rep max? Is that important? For some, yes. For some, no. It just depends, but I still want them to maximize the outcome later. So that's where, everywhere in between. That's why in season, out of season, when you're working with kids, what are they doing? Because right now, my son is in baseball. He's starting flag football this weekend. He swims once a week and he's in soccer once a week. And sometimes these overlap. So he's doing two practices a day and he's six. So am I crazy? Yes. Am I that mom? No, but I want him to be able to get involved in a bunch of different stuff. And there's just the overlap. <laughs> I think it's important though, you know, that when we think about youth athletes and we think about our everyday um, clientele, especially if they aren't really focusing on, you know, trying to be the next, you know, NBA star or NFL star or whatever it is, lacrosse star. They just want to have fun. They want to play with their kids. I really think it's important for us to be smart in looking at someone's alignment, look at their programming, and then trying to achieve them at, to the highest level, level possible. With our seniors, I think it's absolutely important that we, we put them through power, but whatever power they can perform. I'm not going to have someone do power step-ups if they can barely walk up a step. So, you know, maybe marching in place at a higher higher pace um, you know, it is going to be powerful for them. So be smart in your choices, make sure it's safe, make sure that you can execute it correctly. And it's a win-win for everyone. So hopefully after listening to today's uh, episode on power training, is it for everyone, you're going to 
um, kind of follow in the footsteps of Ken and I by saying yes, as long as it's appropriate and it makes sense. So I want to say thank you guys all so very much for listening today on Random Fit. Ken, thank you for being a part of today's episode. You always bring so much to the podcast each and every week. And uh, for those of you guys that you know, want to like, subscribe, have comments, please email us, you know, reach out to us at any given time. We're happy to put any topic on our podcast. We're here for you. And I want to say thank you again for joining us. And until next time, take care and be well.